never been more ready in my entire life to do this right now. Never. So up to this moment, all right now, right here. Welcome back to another episode of Improvised Parenting. Today, I'm talking with Mr. Jay Suko. Yes, the superhero of improv. I call him the Jedi Master of improv. Um, Jay and I started talking and we just jumped right into the podcast. So here we go. <laughs> well, the, the, the lessons that we were just talking about. Yeah. Don't stop for kids. They they go to adults and it's like it's, it's all not, communication. It's all communication and it's not like a blanket agreement. It's I hear you. I hear you. I acknowledge you. What you're saying has value. That's the difference. And as a parent, you know, it's interesting for for me. I I facilitate sessions for um, businesses and for people who want it as a hobby or who want to be performers and. There are many times where I have to remind myself to do the same things for myself, for my kids. We we have uh, once a week we go around and, and talk about what are things we failed at and we celebrate that. And it's <laughs> As at a, dinner with the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and we but we we forget the big thing for humans is do you hear me? And that yes and is like I hear you. I acknowledge what you're saying. The whole idea of empathy is all rooted in improv. Yeah. And, and when you're upset, a lot of times, whether you're a child, an adult, you are just like, somebody hear me. I'm not being heard. I just want you to acknowledge what I'm saying and acknowledge that I have these feelings that are not good or bad. They're just feelings. That's 100% um, spot on. It's, it's just that simple. We overcomplicate it with all of these thoughts, all of these fears, all of our own fear of failure as a parent, our own imperfections based on the way we were parented. And it all comes into play when all our kids want is connection. They just want to be connected to us. And how do we connect? We see and hear one another. I mean, what's what's our biggest fear as parents our biggest fear as parents i think i think our first biggest fear is not the kids it's i'm going to be like my parent yeah that, that's our big fear so it's yeah. not even of concern for that other person it's more like oh my parents did x y and z either i want to replicate that or not do that so we have that fear and we forget there is no i i honestly i laugh at handbooks that are like here like there's one that's like 
the the way it's something about raising the happiest baby on the block. There's yeah, some I have it. It's in my it's in my portfolio over here. <laughs> and what I laugh about that is I have a friend who who swore by that book. And when I when we were first having our first kids, so many people were like, hey, take this book. But then I we went through it and it's like these are little humans. There are it's not one way of like you have to do these six steps. It's like that might work, but you have to be adaptable and you have to say, okay, what is the reality of the situation? My my son and my daughter are two years apart, are completely different personalities. Yep. And so it would not, what works for him doesn't work for her. And then sometimes you're like, that worked for them. Why is it not working for them now? Because they're changing, they're growing, they're evolving. And we we don't want that to happen sometimes. And, and sometimes with like, especially if you're talking about trauma, we keep, um, I saw this meme and it just blew my mind. It's like the people who want to maintain power over us want to keep us at a certain age when they had the most power over us. And I was like, oh my goodness, my mom wanted me to be that six-year-old kid because that's when she had the most power over me. And she always referred to me as her baby, her youngest. And that really bothered me. And I realized now it's like, oh, she wanted to keep that that moment of time versus being appreciative of, oh, now my my son or daughter has changed and they're this way. So I have to accept them. And you know, it's this, the old saying, improvise the scene you're in, not the one you want to be in, right? It's like, I want to be, here's the scene I want to be in. I'm taking a nap. My kids uh, allow me to take a nap and they say, father, we will wait until you're fully rested. That's not the scene we're in. The scene we're in is my kids are so excited about every day and they're like, let's go explore. And so that's the scene I have to play, not the one that's in my mind. Yeah. And that's so, I think that's so true. From the age of, you know, birth to around seven, eight years old, kids are primarily taking everything in through their subconscious mind. So basically you're writing the foundation for the rest of your child's life. These are things that if trauma happens or if the, you know, all of the things, all of the paradigms that we give them during that time period are set for life. They're in their, locked in their subconscious. So I am also a hypnotherapist. So part of my practice is going in and removing the weeds from that time period that lead to this negative and limited thinking, all of these anxieties that people may have. So there's so, so much power in taking action as a parent now and using implanting a positive mindset and it doesn't mean say yes to everything like a yes day scenario that movie can we break down yesterday because for me I was like yeah finally the universe is catching on you know and no no it, it was like we say no all the time but we're gonna take one day and say yes and I'm like well yeah no then we're gonna take it back so and we're going back to no tomorrow guys just so you know well it's you know, as a parent, uh, I, I read once and it struck me of like, you can, you're either, you know, there are the drill sergeants mm-hmm. who are like authoritarian, their kids are just trying to do what you say. There are the helicopter ones where mm-hmm. everything has to be protected. And, mm-hmm. and then there are consultants. And I feel like I kind of fall into the, the last one of consultant of like, like with my my kids, there have been times where they've like climbed up on furniture, right? Or started to, and I'll say, hey, 
remember when you fell that other time, it's higher. It, you're, it's going to hurt more. Now, I don't let my kids just go crazy if they if they get to a point where they're like, sounds good and still do it. I'll, I'll go up and, you know, I'll, I'll say, no, that's too high. But I want them to make those decisions and to not just turn to me. I see that happen where it's like they'll turn, something happens and they turn for your reaction. Yes. And to be like, am I doing this right? And they and then they don't understand what goes on behind. So I want them to be to understand this and understand, okay, if there is a consequence, do you understand why there is one and not just like give me an answer? I want them to really understand it. Yeah, don't we? I mean, isn't that you would hope that that is the, you know, the goal of all parents is is to further kids to understand knowledge is power. So when we impart them with the knowledge of why we are, you know, say setting a limit, for example, hey, that's a really high spot to climb. It looks like you want to keep climbing. So I'm going to stand next to you to keep you safe. Yeah. Or I'm going to help you get down because it looks like you're having a hard time getting down by yourself. Both of those are yes, agreements. I see you. I hear you. I'm going to help you. Because at a certain age, this is true about children who are toddlers, they can't stop themselves. Have you ever said, oh, don't hit that, don't hit, you know, don't stick your finger in that socket and they go, and they look right at you while they're doing it, here I go. Um, mostly- I do that, I, I do that now. I'm like, are you testing me? Ooh, I'm going to do it. happens if I do that, right? I mean, they're curious creatures. Yes. They're, they wanna discover and, and explore, test their boundaries, like you said before. And that's the question is how do we not temper that curiosity how do we encourage them with the challenges of, I've got a meeting online right now in 30 seconds with, oh, I forgot to take the dog out with all the things we're multitasking right now. And I, I think George Carlin or Phyllis, I don't know, this has been attributed to several people said something to the effect of, you know, the first year of a child's life, you can't wait for it to walk and talk. And then the rest of their lives, they're told to sit down and shut up. Shut up. Yeah. And so how do you, as a parent, how do you find that balance? How do you also accept, I didn't do that correctly. That doesn't mean I'm a failure. I might've, and it's the same with improv. I'm not a failure. I might've failed at that, mm -hmm. but how do we learn to accept it? And that's why that failure, uh, what we do once a week is like, let's celebrate those failures because if we're letting that define us as people, we're not doing our job, especially as parents, to be like, well, I've failed now, or, oh, goodness, I'm now my father or mother, which is tr another triggering thing is I don't want to be them. We, we forget, sometimes we forget the good things that our parents have done because they've done things that have, have had a bigger impact on us. And there, a lot of times parents are just doing the best job they can. It doesn't mean they're doing it right or they did it perfect. They're just doing it the best they can. And we, there are moments where we go, oh my goodness. I know now why my mom said to me many times, I'm the mom, that's why, and did not want to explain herself because I find myself in those situations going, oh, this makes sense why she did that. Yeah, and it's true. We we don't want to be like our parents because we remember the bad things that they did. Because And that's, if we forward think, that's what our kids are going to remember about us. So then we want to be mindful about that. We really do. And, you know, we try and 
failure is part of the process. We are looking at a process-based experience, not a product-based experience. Although as we, you know, become older and look back on our child's life, we start the checklist. What did I do wrong? Where did I fail them? Why is my kid doing drugs? Why is my kid? You know why? You know why we do that? Because our brains, and you know this, our brains are wired for worst case scenario and survival. Our brains are not wired to be like, let's celebrate that thing. Our brains are always like, what's the next thing that could go wrong? Keep this, keep this child alive. What? Okay. Don't, there's no, our brain says there's no point in celebrating the success. We have to be on the lookout for the failure. They're four years old. This is going to happen. Uh Oh, they're six. Uh Oh, it's they're eight. They're 10. They're dating. You know, like that's what our brain is wired to do is to always be on the lookout for worst case scenario how do i survive this and now how do i protect this person and have them survive absolutely 100 and especially in those first couple of years we're in survival mode 24 7 and another point that i want to make on parents behalf is that we are required to pay 100 attention to a baby infant toddler um <laughs> And I don't know about you, but paying 100% attention to anything, um, exhausted by like two hours. So, I mean, seriously. I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you feel like you have enough money and sleep, then you should totally be a parent because you'll be prepared. If not, nobody's prepared. Nobody's Nobody's prepared to go in that situation and you will always be tired because you are always focused on that other person. That is just the way it is. It is. It's a tremendous amount of energy to put towards one thing while all the other things around you, the dog, the laundry, the dishes, the job are screaming at you. The wife, honey, I need your attention over here. When did I take a shower last? I know, exactly. I mean, you're talking to a mama who was like, you know, I I think I took a shower every five days and didn't care. I was in yoga pants and I mean, remember those times where you're like, oh my God, I got five minutes for a shower. Like I'll like there you you the one thing parenting has taught me is my time management skills increased exponentially (laughs) immediately because you're like, I've got 20 minutes right now. I got to get everything done in this 20 minutes because after that, the baby's up. It's what, so you, and, and I, you also realize there are things you can't read. People can't tell you, but you have instincts that will kick in that you didn't realize you have as a parent that will be able to help you with situations that you're afraid of or aren't even aware are going to happen. Yeah. And I love that about humans is that we do have those instincts. And as long as we have the ability to trust those instincts, we have that reinforcement around us, that support, you know, because a lot of times we're like, is this normal mom, this kid, you know, my kid did this and you call your mom and you're like, you're going to spoil that kid. You better start setting down some rules. You better, you know, punish them, you know, and you're like, oh, and then the answer I was hoping for. <laughs> and, and in, in, I'm in California now. And California is very different as far as physical appearance. So in doctor's offices, they're like, your child might need a helmet because their head shape. And you're like, my kid's head shape is fine. (laughs) But it is so it that adds another level of complexity. And you're like, oh, my gosh, are they right? And then we always think as humans, that other person knows more. So we're like, well, that person's right, because X, Y, and Z is like, well, they don't, nobody knows they're just doing what worked for them. So we start then questioning our own decisions because of that, because someone says, well, you know, you really shouldn't 
give your kid juice or you really shouldn't do this or you should do that. And we, so we always feel we're in a sense of catching up. And with this pandemic, every parent feels like their child is falling behind. It's like, nobody's my belief. Nobody's kid is falling behind. We're all in the same boat. They're learning empathy, resiliency for all my son knows every time somebody goes into second grade, they're locked down for a year. That's the reference for my son. Yeah. You know, that's all they know. They don't know. We we're going at it from our reference of like, oh, you know, and for me, it's like second grade when I was, that was the seventies for me. Yeah. There was no internet there. So I'm, I'm putting that in terms of my understanding versus the way it is now, which is they're going to be doing now virtual schooling and we'll be doing virtual doctor visits. This is all going to be part of who we are moving forward. So can I accept what's happening and move forward rather than I struggle and push against it. That's when I found I've had the most problem is I'm not accepting what's going, it doesn't mean a weakness. I just need to accept what's happening and move forward rather than, oh, I wish it was this other way. It's not that other way. It's the way it is. And I should be grateful for it and move forward. Yeah, I think that's super accurate. And that's one of the things hopefully we're all learning through this whole pandemic is that we are resilient. We can do this. Yeah. Our, our old paradigm workspace where, you know, we couldn't work from home is now accepting it, you know, and I was, this to me was a very curious um, time because I thought, well, okay, now we, now everyone sees that the parents can work from home and we don't have to pay to have our kids in daycare or well, for me, I, when I moved from California to Pennsylvania, I had to take a nine to six job. I didn't have a nine to six or nine to five jobs yeah. in the eighties. I mean, like, I was like, I don't know how to do this. So I go to work, take my kid to school, go to work. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go on my lunch break at three o'clock and I go pick up my kid and bring her back to my job. Thankfully I could, right. uh, but it was constant stress every day. I, I mean, a few days a week, I brought her to my work a few days a week. My ex picked her up. You know, sometimes my mom and dad could pick her up. It, it was like, eh, you know, can yeah. I just go home and take work from home, pick up my daughter, work from home and be at home? Well, nope. <laughs> we for years weren't didn't we have thoughts of like, oh, things could just slow down. If we could just pause, if I could just spend more time with, with my kids, if I could be at home. Well, now we've gotten that. Yeah. And what I'm seeing, which is very positive for me is I'm seeing a lot more families going out for walks, doing things together, which like that's irreplaceable. You cannot, you cannot have asked for that. That's the silver lining in this situation is, okay, we're dealing with this pandemic. It's a global trauma that we're all sharing and we're sharing it even more because of social media. So it's, but now it's like, oh, wait, what do I turn to? I turn to the arts and I turn to my family and now I can, I walk with them more. We can't, okay. We can't go to the playground. What else can we do? Uh, Let's place a scavenger hunt. Go find me four leaves that are the same shape. Go, go find me three rocks. Like you just start inventing things and start realizing this is what's important. Are we going to maintain this? I think to a certain extent, but it's interesting to think what's going to happen. Are we going to immediately go right back to what we're familiar with when this eases, or are we going to continue to work on these skills we've developed? And we've given kids skills like empathy, resiliency, agility, going with it. They they are like, okay, I sit in front of, I've got a, a six-year-old and eight-year-old. They know Zoom. They know how to sign on. They're very self-sufficient in the virtual world. They 
I'm watching my son use his iPad and he's showing me things on the iPad. I didn't know how to use on, on the iPad that I've gotten. I was like, oh, that's how you can move the cursor. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I know. So it's so true because our kids are, their minds are so, they're, they're so open. Okay. Yes. And so why, you know, we're filling them now with all of that attention and with all of that time. And hopefully it's a good experience for both parents and kiddos. I know out there, I'm not, you know, I'm not naive. I know that there's the other side of it where there's parents who are struggling, who need to go to work. There's abuse in the home and now the kids are there 24 seven. So these are the challenges that break my heart and that I would want to address, you know, helping people navigate those challenges, you know, Right now, after I'm done with you, I'm going to go jump on a call with a young girl who's got two kids and, you know, she's got all kinds of housing issues and stuff. And I want to, I want to give her as much emotional support as I can and try to help her shift her mindset so that she can, you know, find a way to, yes, you know, not, I don't, when I say yes, and what I mean is you meet the problem where it's at. You, you look at the problem and you look at it where it's at, not with whatever's going on in here, fear-based survival, fight or flight or freeze, you know, all of that stuff. Calm down, take a minute. Just like parenting, when your kid is having a fit and you're like, ooh, how do I stop this? Just let it go. You know, what's the worst that can happen unless they're, they've got knives, then you got to stop it, but you know. <laughs> well, we want to sometimes meet emotion with emotion and we want That's to- That's what we're trained to do. And that's what we're trained to do. And as an adult, constantly reminding myself I'm the adult is very hard when you're in a parenting situation, when you're also like, ah, I've got to do X, Y, Z. I got to be on a media, all of that stuff. We forget a lot of people understand the situation now. Yeah. We're more vulnerable than we've ever been. Look, you're in my home yeah. right now. I'm on Zoom so much that my imposter syndrome, my self um, criticism is flaring up because now I see myself yeah. all the time. And what are we talking about with the yes and? The yes and the first thing is I hear you. And when you're dealing with people where it's like, can you just be an ear that they, they uh, use? So they go, Sometimes I'm not, I just want somebody to hear what I'm saying. I don't even necessarily want a solution. And there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. And I'm reading a lot of works by Alan Alder right now, where he talks about, he's great. He talks about, you know, empathy and sympathy are different and we mix them up a lot. Like you go into a doctor and you say, I broke my leg and the doctor goes, oh no, that's gotta be painful. Oh boy, geez. Uh, so you're starting to take on the emotional weight of that person. Mm -hmm. Versus I hear what you're saying. I'm putting myself in your shoes so I can understand what you're saying mm -hmm. and not even necessarily respond, but just, I acknowledge what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It also allows us to slow it from a, a reaction to a response. And that's a hard thing is how do you maintain that active listening of they're not finished. I'm going to let them completely finish what they have to say. Whereas as a human, we want to connect and we're starving for it. So we want to interrupt or say, oh, I also went on a trip and it becomes somewhat of a competition at times. And so if we can remove that and just say, oh, I'm, I'm here to hear, I, I don't have a solution. 
I'm not even offering, you're not even asking for that. You just want to say this. I'll, I'll give you a response if you're asking for it, but if not, let me just hear what you have to say and acknowledge that. And that goes, I think, a longer way than we, we think sometimes. Yeah, I think that there's been those moments, I think parents all have those moments, I know I have them, where your kid is doing something, you're, I don't, I have no idea what to do here. I have no idea what, I am the expert and I have no idea what to do here. So, okay, it really helps to go, okay, I see, I hear you. You know what I mean? Because I really don't freaking know what to do. So I just don't do anything, you know? And, and, and it's okay, we don't say that enough. Yeah, it is okay. I don't know, I don't have an answer for you right now. Yeah. Um, and it, it's funny if you ask my kids the la last night we're on a walk mm -hmm. and I'm like, do your impression of dad. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And my son, because my son and daughter were doing these great impressions and, you know, they have vivid imaginations and I go, do your impression of dad. And you know what my son said, oh my, my, son, my son goes, okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's amazing. Cause you would think, oh, there's no way that that's what, how I am as an improviser, as a parent, it's like, well, no, but that's what they hear because yeah. they're like, can we go run across the street? Can we go slide down this hill, which we, we just saw dogs in? Can we, so all they're taking away is that. It doesn't mean that's all I say, but that's their interpretation. And that, that goes for a lot of kids with adults. When I teach kids or I used to teach kids, different energy set. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's like, all right, so you're your father, you're a teacher, you're this uh, parental figure. Immediately, it's always yelling and no. So yeah. that's how the kids interpret our actions. Even if we do, we say no once every 10 times, yeah. that's what they, that's what they latch on to. It is what they latch on to. I mean, my daughter has said to me uh, many times when she was younger, mom, when are we going to ever do something I want to do? And I'm like, oh my God, that's all we ever do. In my mind, I'm like, that's all I ever do. I need to do something for me, kid. You know, like, but in her mind, you know, I, 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 she has to go to the supermarket with me. She has to go, you know, to work to school with me. Cause I'm, I'm a teacher at that point and she has to go everywhere with me. So those are all things that I want to do, even though I'm trying to make them as fun as possible. It's still what I want to do. And can we, and can we go, because it's different being on stage and improvising versus a personal history with someone, no matter who it is, whether it's a, a significant other, a, a child, a parent, are we able to go, before I respond to this, let me take a breath, yeah. practice my empathy. Where are they coming from? Why do they say that? And then can I go, oh, yeah, you know what? They're right. I do that. Or do we go into defending mode and say, no, we have to. And that's, you know, we talk about really the philosophy, not those words, yes, and, where it's like, yeah, go run into traffic, and I hope you dodge cars. It's not that, but it's yeah. Yeah. It, it's being open and saying, like, could it work before I say no? Yeah. Let me hear what you have to say. Let me acknowledge it. Is the, Also, is this what you're saying? Sometimes we misinterpret what is said because we're already in a response mode versus, uh, you know, let me hear what you have to say. Okay, can that work? Or you go, I don't know if that can work. What's your suggestion? And you're, you're asking that to a child. And too many times we treat children 
as not as intelligent or curious as they are. And you see that reflected with how people play them on stage. They play them dumb and same with old people. It's like, they're not dumb. They're very curious and they're very aware of what's happening and they want to, they want to express that curiosity. Yeah, they are so tuned in to what's going on with us because we are the leader, you know, yeah. like follow the, it's a game of follow the leader. Yes. So they're tuned in to what's going on with us more so than we are. We're not self-monitoring all day long. Totally. You know, they are monitoring us. And so that's, I think where um, that, that kind of, that moment comes up, that defensiveness defensiveness comes up is because oh I didn't have an awareness on that I really yes. didn't I wasn't paying attention to that part of myself I was just in the moment blah 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 you know whatever because parents are going here there here there oh wait connect with you hang on let me pick that up off the floor okay okay it's time to connect with you I have five minutes go what's you know that what I mean? what's that smell oh I forgot to fold the laundry I yeah. got it because we have a never-ending to-do list ever ending oh my god never we wake up with it we wake up with it. Okay, what do I have to do today? Right. We don't wake up with that sense of like, wow, I'm grateful. Yes. And it's hard. And it's very, and of course, and like you talked about earlier, this is not to minimize those struggles. And we know people who are like that. We might be people who are like that. We might be in a in a our car in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant because we can get Wi-Fi there and we're trying to do that. So that's, I mean, you talk about things that are very difficult right now. We also might be caring for a parent and worried that they're going to catch COVID. And so we're yes. limiting ourselves. You know, there are so many factors that are coming into play. So this is by no means to minimize any of that. This is a global trauma that we're in. It is. This is what are some of those tools we can pull out of our tool belt and say, I'm going to give this a try. And to allow yourself at the end of the day to go by yourself in your thoughts, because, you know, when we are at a rest now at the end of the day, that's when our thoughts can come out because we're not distracted, right? It's like, oh, now's the time to come out. But can <laughs> we allow ourselves to have empathy and say, okay, it's another day tomorrow. I might have blown my top today. I might have said no. But can I have empathy for myself and say, tomorrow, I'm going to learn from what I did today. I might even make the same mistakes tomorrow, but it's going to be okay. And that's a bigger challenge is how do we do that to ourselves to be okay with making mistakes as parents to being successful as parents for one, you know, I had a, I had a friend named uh, one eyed Bob. <laughs> one eyed Bob lost an eye and a leg to heroin addiction. Wow. And he would say the most profound things. And I remember once he said, yeah, you know, uh, I saw a friend the other day uh, and he said, how you doing, Bob? And I go, not good. And my friend goes, don't worry, it'll change. And he goes, I saw that friend the next week. He goes, how you doing, Bob? And I go, I'm doing great. My friend goes, don't worry, it'll change. <laughs> and that has been one of those sayings that has stuck with me. And I'm like, oh my God, everything will change. And the thing that happened today is not mean it's going to happen tomorrow, good or bad. And once I can release that, mm -hmm. that need to control, yeah, that, which is what improv teaches you is like, 
release the need to control. And I have a friend who goes, I release and destroy my need to do a good improv scene. And I think we can apply that to parents. I release and destroy my need to be a good parent. Absolutely. That control piece is big and it factors into our kiddos in more ways than you understand or we understand is that they are looking for control. So when they yes. are, when they're pushing boundaries, that's them asking us a question. Well, what happens when I do this? How far can I push this? What is my world? Define it for me. Please tell it to me. Like, what was that movie with Jeff Bridges where he just came down to earth and everything had to be explained to him? Well, you yes. know how to drink. Why do you talk like that? Everything. It's kind of like what we're dealing with. Hey, welcome to the planet earth. This is what's happening, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm going to demonstrate for you how to act on planet earth. That's called modeling. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what you can and can't do. Okay. That's called behavior. You know? So like we, these are things we impart on our children and we, we say, here's a boundary. Here's a limit. These are things you got to be aware of. Okay. Well, what if I push this boundary? Sometimes you can push that boundary. Rules are made to be broken. Okay. And I don't mean go out and break rules. I mean, um, right. the rules are made they're suggestions. Okay. Most of the time rules are suggestions. Okay. Yep. If there's a real hard limit on something, that's a law. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> there's, there's a consequence too, right? Yeah, like, and, that, and that's the discussion I'm having with my kids right now. Yesterday on our walk too, it was like, you can, you can choose action, but you don't always choose the consequence. So, um, you know, like I've asked you not to, this is a conversation we had yesterday. I asked you not to walk through the front yard of that person's uh, because it's got like rose bushes. And when you walk through, now we've had that conversation. This is the fifth time we've had it. So now there's a consequence, which is you're not going to have a piece of this candy that they've got. And I said, that's what's happening is you can choose those actions, but not those consequences. And I also, at times, honestly, mm -hmm. I, I want to scream out, stop acting your appropriate age because <laughs> like, stop doing appropriate things for your age. Like, because that's, uh, that's exactly how they should be acting. They should be acting in these ways, but we, we want them, you know, we want them to be at a different level and more grown up because it's easier for us. Easier for us. That's right. And when, and then you go, what do you hear from parents? The one thing I want is to be able to go back in time and spend that extra. I, I, a friend of mine said, and I do this now, she said, she asked her, her mom what she would have done different. She said, oh, I would have spent an extra one to 10 minutes at night, just watching you as you're going to sleep. Aww. And I'm like, wow, what a good thing. So then I try to every night, I'm like, I'm going to spend an extra minute before I would normally get up to leave. I'm going to spend a minute in just this space right here. And if you add all that time up over their lifetime, that's a lot of extra time you get with them. So we have to realize they're acting a certain way because that's just normal. They're yeah. Figuring it's out what's appropriate. Yeah. Age appropriate. And I want to scream because it's so foolish for me to be like, stop acting the appropriate age and how you should be acting because that's exactly what they should be doing. And they shouldn't, if something happens and they have an accident of some sort or whatever, they're not looking for you to then compound that. Yeah. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for you to say, yeah. hey, come here. You, you know, you broke something. It's okay. It's just a thing coming like they want that comfort. But if they break something, then they look to you and then you insert right away. You have a punishment. That's the pattern you're going to set up. So anytime they do anything wrong, they're going to quick look to you. They don't even understand what's wrong about it. They're going to look to you, you punish them. And that becomes a cycle that's hard to break. 
it is really hard to break and it becomes an expectation for them as well. Like if I do something wrong, I expect a punishment. I yeah. had a, a mom who was telling me that her son was asking her to punish him because that's what the dad did. The dad punished him when he did something wrong. So when he did something wrong, he was like, why don't you punish me? You know, and it was like, uh, wow, that it broke my heart. And it kind of takes my breath for a minute because I'm like, oh, that's so hard. That's so hard because that's a different parent. So you really have to get down on and with your kid and talk to them about expectation and reality. And this is what happens in our house. And that's what happens in dad's house. I mean, isn't that that's the next layer of complication because yeah. I, their, their mom lives thankfully nearby, but it's the same thing is they're in two households now. And you, you have to have those conversations and you have to let go of your desire to have the other parent control, uh, to control them, to parent the way you want to, or to make it equal. You have to accept the reality. It's going to be different. And that when you've been separated or divorced is very difficult to do. It's, in, it's very hard because you have all that history with that person on top of like, I have got to let go of what they do. They can do what they want to do. The courts will tell you that the courts will be like, you can't control them. Yep. And there's so much that's happening between you and that other parent. Mm -hmm. that it's hard to not bring that in. And I'm in a very fortunate situation where we don't do that. We definitely are like, I mean, we communicate through an app, the two of us, because it re it's easier because not, yeah, we have, we were doing it through our family wizard. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Which were for all the, there are pluses and minus to all of these, but the plus is you, it regulates how you respond. If you're doing a text message thing, you could just fire something off right away. It just sets it on fire, that conversation. And you're like, ha ha, I'm winning this conversation with you versus uh, in front of the kids. We want to model again, model behavior so that they know it's okay to, to break off a relationship. You can still be good parents. And I have to let her parent the way she wants to, like she has to let me parent the way I want to with the understanding that what's best for them is the number one goal. Yeah. That, and that's what the courts will say too. I don't care yeah. about your, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care about your BS, what you got going on here, your codependency, your alcoholism. No. What I care about is this child's well-being, right? I don't care about the past. Whatever happened in the past, you have to do it today moving forward. And that's hard because we're holding on to so many things from the past. It's like, we have to let go of that. And we have to take a lesson from our kids that are like, we're not in the past. We're not in the future. We're in the now. We're in the now. And I want Absolutely. And I want to circle back to what you said, because this is, a, this is a powerful part of, of what I'm trying to share is that, that, the, that one minute that you talked about that one minute of time, it my my, if I'm, if I'm up on my, um, you know, preaching box or whatever, I would say, we say six minutes a day. And when I say six minutes a day of focused, undivided attention on your child, child directed play, they decide what you do. You're just there for them as a playmate. Six minutes is all science will tell you is enough to connect, to make that solid attached connection with them. And a lot of times people have it on the bottom of the list. So they go, okay, I've got all this to do. And then, and then after I'm done at the end of the day and after we eat dinner, we can have our six minutes. Instead of going, hey, let's start off the day. I'll give you this much time, but let's have our time together here. 
and then the rest of the day is like flowers and sunshine and butterflies and bees. Well, we all know that after a hectic, busy day, we suddenly, after dinner, get a sudden burst of energy that comes in the mail, yep. and now we're able to fully focus because that's the perfect, you know, it's that's like the, the wrong time to do it. Yeah because of all that stuff. And we, the more the day goes on, the more tired we get. And so having that either at the set time or within a certain amount of time and to just build it in as a habit. And yeah. once it becomes a habit, you don't even think about it, but it's the first couple of times that are hard because you're stretching and growing and you're changing the routine that you're comfortable. And you finally got to this point. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I have to add this thing, but it's, it's so true it's going to bear so much in the future and we have to the hard thing is remind yourself long game and when i got divorced i had i had a friend who goes dude you got to remember long game long game always focus long game what you're doing now it's not these little victories you're trying to get every day with your ex it's the long game of how are we raising our kids together and what's going to help us and so setting that six minutes up at the front part of your day or earlier part of the day, I think will make it easier to be part of that habit as you go. Absolutely. It's like you're basically, you have to just remind yourself, okay, that you're rewiring your brain. You're rewiring yeah. the way you do things, which isn't hard because we do that. It's a learning process. We yeah. learn something new. We put it into practice. We stumble through it. We fail. We try again. We fail. We do it again. We move it around. Six minutes might not work here, but it could work here. And we find a way that it works for us and our kiddos, right? Yes. And yes. like, you know, a lot of people, they wake up in the morning and they meditate. Well, if you have a young child, they're up at five. You don't get to meditate unless you're up at four. So, you know, <laughs> you have to also figure that into it because you can't come, you know, with your tank half full either or half empty either. Yeah. So we as parents are constantly trying to do the right thing and do everything all at the same time. But the really the two most important things are thank you, gratitude for our child, for our life, for where we are, our, you know, like you're in a divided household, I'm a divided household, nobody wanted our kids story to be that. But yeah. we have to find gratitude in that, okay, my kid's going to learn something from this, this is their path, not mine, their journey, not mine, I am here to support and love them through that journey. Yes. And then we also have to put our masks on first. So unless we take huh. care of ourselves, in a way that, you know, works for everybody. And it's, it's hard. Of course, everything's hard. And we, you know, I had a conversation with my six-year-old a few days ago and what she was saying without saying it, but what she was saying is, I don't understand why you and mom can't be together. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And she said to me, she had an assignment yesterday and it was, um, you know, draw the assignment was write and draw something. It's your fa favorite place to go and be. And she said, Oh, she turned to me. She's six. She turned to me. She goes, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want you to feel bad, but it's mom's. And I was like, Oh, I don't feel bad at all. I'm, you know, it's a great place to be write that down. But the kids are aware of that. And, and they are trying to ask, okay, why can it not be this way? Which is hard because that then, we take it upon ourselves and go, oh, see, I'm a failure. I failed my kids. I should get together. And we have to find that way to let that go and say, that's not what they're asking. 
they, they don't understand this. So how do we set the time to have those conversations? Do you, do we have those? Does that become part of your communication? I remember for months, you know, almost a year after our divorce, I would get the kids and we would be driving to my place. And I'd say, all right, you each, I would first say, do you have questions? And that's too much. So I would say, okay, each of you ask one question and I would give them just ask one question about me and mom or me and mom. And so then it gave them one thing to do and they were able to ask some of those questions uh, in that situation. So how do we continue to create new habits as we go is an interesting conversation too, because that's what you're asking. It's like, now I have a new habit. How do I do this in this uncertain, volatile environment we're in? How, you want me to do it for six minutes? Sure, it seems like no time, but that's six minutes I could be doing X, Y, and Z. Well, you gotta think this is all changing and this is part of the long game success here. So you can always go back to the thing that was working for you. You can, you can, or, or you could always return even if it wasn't working give it a try if it, you know, and give it a, a good effort. So try it for two weeks or, or just focus on tomorrow doing it and then the next day. Yeah. If it's not working, you can always return back. Yeah, it's gotta be what's right for you and your family because yeah. the dynamic, the family dynamic, parenting has to be dynamic enough to see everybody in the family, whether they're together or separate. So what yeah. I explain the situation with my dad or my daughter's dad and myself I explain it in that sense that we are still a family we just we live separately she we do nesting so she stays here and we go back and forth so that has that consistent place for her so that she this is her place and then he comes and then I come so it, it, at least it's not like her having to adjust yeah going back and forth because that's he didn't our situation just didn't allow for for that yeah you and, know and to that we forget to them this is normal yeah this it's normal to them and they have friends who have different yeah. situations and that's normal for them so once we normalize when you normalize good behavior they tend to gravitate towards it. When you yeah. normalize bad behavior, you're not listening, you're not doing this. I can't, I'm tired of yelling. You know, that's kind of what they accept. So yeah, we tell them what to do. You know, when we say you're not listening, you know, why are you yelling at me? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's, it, we're, we're confirming that, hey, this bad behavior is normal. Like we can actually have a conversation with our kids but few people real really want to do that they want to set that hierarchy that mm -hmm. kind of power parenting i call it so for sure and it's it's either you know sometimes it's that's what i was raised with sometimes it's yeah. like i was raised the opposite and i need to do this right now sometimes it's we've convinced ourselves this is easier and it's like it's the same conversation with whether you're talking about raising kids dieting exercise this might be easier. Right. <laughs> it might be easier now, this thing where you just go like, do it this way, because I say, but in the long run, it's not going to be easy because you're teaching them that's the way to do it. So sometimes I got to take a break and a breath. And sometimes I have to go, I'll be right back. 
and I have to remove myself from the situation because I can feel what's happening. Sometimes I have to go back to them. And this was hard for me to do is go back and say, hey, I'm really sorry. That was not the right way I should have been. Do you understand that I, I'm, I said this thing and I don't mean it. I'm very sorry because I didn't hear that as a child. So yeah. I didn't know that was something to do, but I can now make that choice and say, okay, let me take a breath and come back and say to my child, I'm sorry for the way I acted. That's what we call repair. And that's one of the things I impart on parents. You're going to freak out and you're going to yell at them. You're going to lose your shit. That's part of parenting. Okay. So repair, 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 give yourself some space, give yourself some grace, calm down and go back and be authentic because guess what? You're going to be teaching your kids how to be authentic. When you're authentic, you're modeling authenticity. When you're sharing with them what you're experiencing, you know, like with the mom dad thing, sometimes some things that dad do get me really upset and I'm visibly upset. I can't. And if I'm pretending that I'm not upset, then my kid knows it. she'll call me out on it. And if I let my shit fly, she'll be like, why are you mad at me? So I have to be like, okay, here's what's going on for me. I telecast or broadcast or whatever they call it in, yeah. you know, old, you know, the parenting styles, um, I just basically say, I'm having some really big feelings about this, about what just happened. Oh. I need a minute. I got to go calm down. I'll be right back. And I want to be, I can be a hundred percent better for you. You know, huge. it's huge. But like, you know, and I guess what these are, are you, you're open to hearing about these tools and then you're like, I'm going to try it. And I'm going to give myself, like you say, that space and grace. I might flub it when I first try it. I might go, I'm having feelings, big me. Ah. But you're the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you do it, the more pattern. And then it starts replacing the old pattern. And it starts with having that empathy and love for yourself. Yes. That's and that, I'm that, going to pretend this is a mic and I'm going to drop it. <laughs> End of scene. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Cue the music. <laughs> and we're we're in a constant state of evolution. Oh, always. and you can be somebody who's like, this is a lifelong thing, and I'm excited to do it. And what worked for me now, maybe it didn't work before. Or what isn't working for me now worked before, and I'm just in this evolution. And I am curious about changing and I'm curious about what's going to happen. And I look at my kids and I'm like, wow, they're in, they're six and eight. What are they going to be like at, at seven and, and nine? And what are they going to be like in high school? And I, and I'm looking forward to those. And I, I'm lucky I live with someone and she's got twins, 15 year old boy and girl twins. Oh, they're older. Cool. They're older. And I, and my boy is just like hers. And my girl is like hers. And I said, you just had a dry run. When you were raising these kids, so you've been through it because they exhibit, it's eerie. It's a lot of the same tendencies. And so it's like, wow, now I can learn from you. And and in a way, she can practice some of those skills that she wasn't able to do as well as she thought now on these new humans that are in the house. So if we can, you know, and I think it's very huge for people in this time, especially is that love, that support. It doesn't mean everything's like, um, people People confuse positive with not being genuine. Yeah. 
people confuse positive with not also not including you know problems or right. challenges challenges are part of everyday life we have to put those in front of our kids to, to serve them 100 percent. and you go and you say like and now we're going to give you tools during those challenges yes. we're going to give you tools and i tell my kids you know I said some challenges, it takes me a while to learn how to overcome them. And some I'm still trying to overcome. And sometimes I said, you know, I'll be honest, I go, I know if I eat this ice cream, what's going to happen, how I'm bad I'm going to feel. And I say, you know what, sometimes I still do. Yeah, I know what's going to happen. And yeah. I'm, I'm proved right all the yeah. time. Yeah. But the, the tool don't of, do <laughs> don't do, and the tool of let me play the tape out before yeah. what's always been what's been the truth. The truth yeah. is I eat this, I feel this bad. So that's the truth. I have enough data on that point. And the same with my kids. I'm like, if you do this, you know what's going to happen. And then it's up to you to make that choice. And I said, some lessons we learn quick, some take a, a long time to learn and some I haven't learned. Absolutely true. And that's where natural consequences come into play because the natural consequences of doing the thing that you know is wrong happen every single time. That's yeah. going to be you know, and, you know, sometimes we do have to have that long term data to really confirm it. And sometimes we just want to go and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Right. I'm still going to do it. I know yeah. it's going to. Yep. It's right. It happened. I'm yep. still doing it. Mars another day. That's I mean, like you said, applies to dieting, applies to so many Everything. things, Everything. you know, and it's that resiliency piece. Coping skills at the end of the day are the greatest gift we can give to our children. So, you know, when we helicopter, we teach them learned helplessness. That is not a coping right. skill. That is that is a deficiency. They don't know how to help themselves there. And when we put them in situations where, you know, we have trauma and we're doing things and they can't help, they are in learned helplessness. So it is our job to go at that point, acknowledge it. We don't have to not be in trauma because, you know, look, hey, in May, I fell and broke my wrist. I couldn't type to call somebody. I mean, I couldn't do anything. She had to help me. To me, it was, you know, it, for her, I'm sure it was traumatizing. She was nine years old, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I had to talk to her about it. That was really hard. I know I was really scary because I couldn't do anything. Like just couldn't, you know, confirm with her that I saw what was going on for her. I know it was hard. You did such a great job in helping me. It's, it's huge. Like, it's huge. That's all you can do, you know, giving them everything. But we, and that's that's going on what we talked about earlier of like just acknowledging it. And, and we as parents want to feel like we have to have all the answers mm -hmm. or know everything. And it's like, no, just like you said, just the acknowledgement of it, of how hard that is, mm -hmm. that's teaching them to be okay and to acknowledge it in themselves. So that's a huge lesson right there of like, yeah, yeah I'm just, I'm confirming what must have been difficult for you. Yeah, it's probably scary. You know, your mom is like, her yes. wrist is all flailing. And, you know. Look at this. <laughs> Look what I can do. <laughs> Mom's napping again. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I was like on the verge of passing out when that happened. It was so funny. I mean, not, it's funny in hindsight. It wasn't funny in the moment, but. <laughs> Oh my God, what an absolute pleasure it's been talking to you, Jay Sucro. I am so excited to, you know, follow you and, you know, just hear more about your parenting journey. Feel free to come on anytime. And 
Yeah, I'd love to talk to you like in four weeks after you've tried the six minute thing. No, I will. And Lori, thank you. This has been awesome. What an honor. I've, I've listened to your show before. I'm a big fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bill Codd and Yvonne Landry. And like, it's, it's such a good resource for parents. So thank you for doing it. Of course, of course. And I'm, you know, I want to just find new ways to impart to parents that it isn't as hard as we, you know, we don't have to be as hard on ourselves. It's easier than we think. And we just need to add a, a few tools and the tools of improv make the most sense to me because we connect, we share, we support one another. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have a great scene. Yeah. Right. Yes. Perfect. Jay Suko, please tell our listeners where they can find more out about you because I know you're doing a lot of stuff right now. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you, you can always connect with me on Facebook. I do a lot. Of, I love Facebook. I do a lot of stuff there. I do a series of 10 minute scenes with people from all over the world that uh, I call 10 minutes with whoever the person is. And that's on YouTube. So if you go to today, um, YouTube slash today improv, you can see uh, all of those there. And Lori, you and I are going to do one. I've done one with awesome. some of your, your guests as well that you've had on before. Uh, I've known Bill for almost 30 years. We've been in a duo that long. So so, oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, it, it. it's he's hilarious. But yeah, so they can they can track me on those. Those are the easiest way. Oh, I'm so excited! Thank you so much, Jay Suko. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Lori. Thank you.